podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Courtside Fracker. We're at episode 55. Today I'll be your host. Um, today we've got Nii with me. How's it going, brother? It's going well, man. My team's a bit iffy at the moment, but it's right, man. We're moving it. It's the new normal. It's the new normal. <laughs> we've also got Reams with us, making his much-anticipated return. How's it going, bro? It's going well, man. It's good to be back on the pod after a while. So, yeah. It's good to have you, man. Good to have you. Thank you. Uh, as everyone knows, we've just come off the back of the trade deadline closing. Um, if you haven't already, check out the trade deadline po- uh, podcast. Uh, obviously, me, uh, Yaz, and Obi, they broke down all things trade deadline and gave their thoughts on that. Moving on from that, we're actually in the buyout phase of the season, uh, where basically teams can pay out players' contracts and allow them to leave on free agency deals. Um, it does mean that their a percentage of their salary does get paid, um, but it means unique opportunities for either contending teams to bolster their roster with some form of veteran presence, or it means that a, a team that is looking to tank can basically get a heavy wage off their bill. Um, with that said, there have been a lot of interesting rumblings around the NBA. Um, guys, what do you make of the buyout period in general? And then what what buyout uh, player is the most anticipated for you? We'll start with you, Nii. Um, There's probably a reason why you're smiling, because obviously the Nets have just added to their wealth already, so you guys are just taking the piss a bit. But I mean, I'm obviously in the market Aldridge. Um, he was a good addition for the Nets. I wouldn't go as far um, as people did yesterday and like make so much out of it, because yes, he was an all-star like two years ago, good player. Um, but if you've watched him towards the end of his Spurs career this season, he wasn't it's actually that sort of level of player. So it's he might give you, what, like 10, 15 minutes a night. That's really good. And it, it won't be defensively. He'll just be there for the offense, like, purely. To just, like, switch or, like, if it's, like, a certain matchup or whatnot. Um, but apart from him, is the drumming to the Lakers been finalised? Is that done? It's not finalised yet. It's not finalised yet. Looking but that like, is looking likely. Yeah. It is looking It is looking likely. And he's probably what like the biggest free agent that everyone's um, looking for because it you know like people can always do some rebounding and some rim protection in the playoffs. Um, I think he'll be a good addition for the Lakers if he does go there because um, they're probably lacking that. Um, because I think since they've lost what was it McGee and Howard, they've lost a bit of rim protection. And in certain games this season, I've watched them and people just get into the paint um, at will, essentially. So I think they could definitely do. With some of that, I'm from Drummond, um, and there will be certain series or matchups where his skill set will be kind of obsolete, and they won't really need him more. He just will probably get pe- like played off the floor. But I think what I like now the Lakers is that they got a good center rotation. So if they need some scoring, they can put in Harrell. If they need some spacing, they got Gasol. If they need some defense, um, some like rim protection, they got Drummond. So they've got a few weapons there that they can kind of like mix and match, which they did last year when they had McGee and Howard, who I think didn't even play like the whole Rocket series. I think after like, the first or second game, when they got played off the court. 
Virgo kind of switched it up. Um, he switched up the defense and put AD at the five, I believe. So at least the Lakers got that like, sort of like versatility now. So I like that move for them. Yeah, I think that's the main the main point. Uh, it does give give them a unique opportunity to basically rehash what they did last season in terms of just pillar to post uh, the big guys and then see whatever happens outside of that. Uh, Reams, I know you were quite vocal last night about uh, Aldrich and the uh, Blake Griffin move as well. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts, my brother? I feel like um, a lot of people are kind of missing the point in terms of what the Nets acquiring these players means. It means it's two, it's two very significant things that it means, right? It means, one, they're stacking the deck on their team with good quality players and taking away from other teams that could have potentially acquired those players to hurt them in the playoffs. And two, they're filling out the back end of their rotation with former all-star or NBA-level players. Now, listen, LaMarcus Aldridge last year averaged 19 a game. This year, he was averaging about 14 a game. He's obviously not as good as he was when he was an all-NBA player, all-star player. That's obvious, right? I'm sure everyone can see that, but... The point is, who would you rather have coming off your bench? A guy that was one of the former 20 best players in the league or Giannis's brother, who's only in the league because he's Giannis's brother? Like, <laughs> who would you rather have coming off your bench? Flipping Kelly Olenek or Blake Griffin? Like, you know what I mean? Like, just think of, like, you just think about, like, it's, it's just the rich getting richer, you know what I mean? And, and, the the is the hilarious thing about the Nets is when they first acquired Harden, everyone was like, "Oh, they're gonna get killed in the paint in the playoffs. They're not gonna have no big man. They're not gonna have no ring protection, no rebounding." <laughs> and since then, they've just been like, "Watch this, <laughs> Blake Griffin, Lamarcus Aldridge, and 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 the thing that's going on the radar. Obviously, Simon will know this because that's his team. But they have Nick Claxton as well, who's an excellent young big man." He's coming into his own. I think he's what a sophomore now, Sai? Yeah. So sophomore season, uh, came back, came back off of an injury. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie had been screaming his screaming his praises uh, from the start of the season, and lo and behold, he's come in and he's been deliver, delivering. Um, as you said, it is the rich getting rich, richer. I, I must caveat, I was there when we went twelve and seventy, so <laughs> I've been in poverty. Yeah. And. We all love a rags to riches story. So at the end of the season, when we when when we get the rings, when we get the rings out. Uh, but Simon, what I'll say about that is everyone loves a rags to riches story, right? But when the rich is a little bit too rich, then people 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 start looking at them a bit sideways. Because listen, I use Steph Curry <laughs> as an example, yeah, and and now I will know this year. When Steph Curry was coming up, like let's say like 2014 when he first became an all-star, yeah. yeah. And, he, and he broke the, the Ray Allen free record. Everyone loves Steph Curry. Everyone was like, yo, this guy shooting the lights out, fun style, handles, you know what I mean? And then like 2015, everyone was like, oh, what like a great story. The Golden State came up, built this team from the ground up, from the draft. 2016, they have a historic regular season. They lose in the playoffs and everyone was still a bit like, you know what, fair enough, you lose lose to LeBron. But then as soon as they acquired KD, (laughs) everyone was like, these guys, bro, like these guys are just oh, these guys just make me sick. Like I hate this team. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I can't, I can't lie. Like I've, I've in the group chat, I was, I was holding a bit of corn from uh, Jeff, 
for being sort of on the fence about it. And I mean, I'll, I'll describe it as what it is. It's disgusting, isn't it? Like, <laughs> it is what it is. It's, it's nasty. It's like, it's like uh, the, the Simpsons episode where Bart and, and Homer are doing uh, snow agent angels in the garbage. That's how I feel right now because it's disgusting, man. Like, we started this season, and I was I was more than happy to go in with uh, some young some young guys who had shown that they were hungry and shown that they deserve to play at the highest level with two all time greats. But now, it's basically an all star team. It's is you've got the Avengers with the young Avengers, if you will, like, and or the old Avengers, if you. Is, is Justice, is Justice League and Young Justice. Precisely. But the thing, the thing that's kind of curious to me about this, I feel like, I feel like basketball, oh, I don't want to sound like one of them, like, washed old heads here, but I feel like basketball right now is kind of just a bit, like, I feel like the, the, I feel like the rings thing is kind of just losing its value because all these guys are just rushing to jump on a team that's so stacked that it's, it's eliminating their chances of, of, of losing, if that makes sense. And I feel like the thing that we loved about basketball and we loved about guys that became champions is that they became champions because they just went out there and flat out proved that they were a better player than whoever they came up against. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they, they, they were a better team and they were a better team because I'm the best player in the world. So my team is the best. When you have three top 15 guys, <laughs> it just seems a little bit like, well, you're supposed to win. And like, and, and listen, don't get me wrong. There's been a lot of teams in history that were supposed to win, like the 2000 to 2003 Lakers. Like, they had Shaq and Kobe. There's no way anyone was ever supposed to beat those teams. But, like, you look at championships, like, even, like, the Spurs, like, all their championships, they still had to grind it out against tough teams in the West where you feel like these series could have gone any other way. But because of the excellent play of guys like Ginobili, Tim Duncan, they won, like, because there was an excellent team and those, all those championships felt like they were, like, hard-earned, well-deserved championships and not just... It, did, it didn't feel like it was the flipping Lakers versus the Timberwolves, you know what I mean, where, like, only one team was ever supposed to win and we didn't know who, we didn't know who was going to come out on top. Like, you know those, those series, those final series where you know who's going to come out on top? They're like, do you, yeah. I just don't find them interesting as, like, a fan of competitive sport, you know what I mean? So... That's the only thing about that that kind of just like rubs me the wrong way, but is what it is, you know, guys want to get their rings and yeah, I think rings. I think I'm 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 sort of on the fence with that. Is obviously we we saw a, a direct change when LeBron's decision was made, right? And yeah. ever since then we've seen we've seen the way that teams are constructed change very drastically. We've even seen that whole player power and the ability for uh, Anthony Davis or uh, it started. He even, he even started with the Boston Big Three, to be honest. Precisely, precisely. Yeah. I mean that 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 was that was like the first sort of time we had seen it. I, I would mm. say in our lifetime, especially. But in terms of the player power aspect, where they can have that freedom of movement and and basically make their decision on where they're going to play, that was more more indicative, I would say. Um, because since then, obviously, the Davis and Harden forcing the trade sort of is now the new normal, if you will, uh, for that level of player. So the spirit of competition is sort of gone. Um, but at the same time, I feel like that's, that's on the fans. I think that's on the fans and on the media. If you obsess about where players stand in, in the annals of history based on 
their accomplishments. I mean, we're not going to look at division titles. We're not going to do that. We're not going to look right. at conference titles. We are only going to look at the championships. Yeah. So it sort of all feeds into each other. So when 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 players get abuse like a KD, for example, where people say, "Ah, oh, you've you've been bounced. You're the only team that went three one and didn't win a series. All of this stuff." It amounts to a certain level of pressure, and then you get the the players responding with a big fuck you and being like, "All right, cool. I'll join the team that beat me. It will be a sure thing to win." And then what are you going to say about me? So it's a lose lose situation in some in- instances, but ultimately these guys still get paid, and they still get to hoop for a living in it. So it's a win win for them. Uh, so we'll they're still sleeping like a baby we'll night, really. <laughs> exactly, like. <laughs> We'll see what happens, but it, it's it's interesting as a as a Nets man. I, I won't go on too long about this, uh, but it's a different sort of pressure, the, now, isn't it? Precisely, it that 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 added pressure is is nice to have, considering it has been a slow build up until this point. I know people say, "Oh, cool, well, you went out, you got KD and and Kyrie one season, and then you got James Harden next," but we're still repairing the damage or up until this point, we were repairing the damage from trying to chase a ring with Darren Williams, Joe Johnson, KG and Paul Pierce. So it has been a long time within the sporting context and we've done everything the right way to be able to get to this point. So as funny as it is for us to be so stuck now, it's quite nice to see that you can repair the damage from such poor decision-making and make yourself a contender. Do you, do you know? And that, that's an interesting point because I feel like the way the Brooklyn Nets built their built their roster to to the point where they got Kyrie and KD in free agency. The season before that, they had that young team with D'Angelo Russell and like everyone in the league. Again, it's another point. Everyone in exactly. everyone loved that team. That was like yeah. one of the most. That was one. That was one of the funnest teams in the league. And then when they added Kyrie and KD, I'm thinking, fair enough. They still have those young guys. Obviously, they got rid of D'Lo, but they still have Levert. They still have Jarrett Allen. Joe Harris, they still had the main core of that team. And I feel like a lot of people was thinking if Kyrie and KD could take this this young core to a title, that would have been an impressive title. That would have been some, that would have been massive for, for someone like KD's legacy, like to pushing him towards a top 10 player of all time, even towards a top five. And I feel like all of that optimism that people had to see this intriguing next story develop is kind of just like... Yeah, it's been dashed. Yeah, it's kind of just <laughs> been dashed now. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> And that's kind of annoying. It's kind of annoying that we get to miss out on 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 that on that interesting story. But again, it is what it is, isn't it? Like it should. Game like, is a game. Game Facts. is a game. And that's not. I, I don't think that's necessarily like Kyrie or Katie's fault. Like Harden wanted to leave. You know what I mean? And like he could end. He could easily ended up in Philadelphia or Miami. You know what I mean? They didn't want to pay what it, what was needed to get him. So dare Precisely. to blame as well. <laughs> dare to blame as well. Yeah, exactly so. that. And that, that actually takes us into our next our next point of conversation quite nicely. Obviously, over the last few weeks, we've seen LeBron James go down with injury. We've seen Joel Embiid go down in injury as well. Uh, so the MVP race has been drastically affected by that, fairly or unfairly. Um, currently, the chit-chat around James Harden as an MVP candidate has, has gotten significantly louder um which leaves the Nikola Jokic conversation sort of in an interesting spot um first and foremost I would I'd, I'd, I'd ask both of you uh who is your leader in the MVP key race my leader is I'm still Jokic 
to be honest, because he's been there. I mean, that conversation consistently throughout the whole year. So if you look at Harden uh, to start the year when he was with the Rockets, obviously he had his thing that went on, and um, like, I mean, he was actively like detrimental to his team. Um, like, the team started off poorly, but then like when he came back, he actively made them worse or didn't help the situation at all. Um, so I guess if he was playing basketball then, and that still counts as this season, that contributes to his narrative for MVP. Um, and why I don't really have a problem with what he did, like I don't look at him and think. Well, like, we can't win MVP because he did that. Um, I don't particularly care about the Rockets. I couldn't really give a shit about them. And I'm happy Harden is at a team now where he can actually go and win. Um, but to be honest, um, if you look at Jokic, he's with a Nuggets team that got weaker this season um, when they lost Grant um, and didn't really replace him. They lost Plumlee as well. Um, and they lost a bit of rotation there in the centre spot. And MPJ and like, Murray have just been inconsistent as usual. Um, he's been the one constant throughout the whole season. In like the top three talks to MVP, he's always been there. Um, LeBron's come in and out because of injuries and team form or whatever. Um, and then Embiid, obviously, he's had his injury, unfortunately. If not, he would have been there. And then James Harden's sort of sort of come into the mix within like the last month because he's been he's been so good for the Nets. Um, and then like the other candidates like Yanis, I feel like maybe he was slept on for a bit, but that's because the Bucks started pretty slowly to start the season. Um, but he's come into it in recent weeks. But if you want to give it for consistency in a year when everything's been inconsistent because of COVID and et cetera, um, I'll think I have Jokic as my MVP. And like he leads like all the stats in like all the advanced stats and all that. Warp. All those bullshit names like Vorp and Raptors <laughs> and LeBron and all that bollocks. Yeah. BPM. Yeah, whatever it is, man. <laughs> value, value over washed uh, replacement is what it should be. Because for him, I'd. Who, who replaces him? Like, not a damn person. Isaiah Hartenstein. So, Reams, Reams who, who do you have leading the MVP so race coming I had, I had I had LeBron and Embiid one and two. Obviously, they're out of the race now because they're injured. Like, there's no way they could have them to win it. So, now, like, for me, the front runner is clearly Jokic and Giannis. They're also clearly the front runner. And I think that the conversation around Giannis is interesting because He's kind of under punishment this season for his poor performances <laughs> in the playoffs. Like, yeah, it's, it's kind of a situation where, like, Yanis is playing some of his best ever basketball, and everyone's like, Y'all hear something? <laughs> Y'all hear something? <laughs> like, no one cares. I like, I like, it, it's, it's hilarious because he's getting no MVP shouts for the same stuff he's been doing the last couple of seasons where he won MVP. You know what I mean? So, but I think if we base it on like value, how much, how valuable you are to your team your level of performances, how much you make your team better, then Yanis, Jokic, and Damian Lillard would be my top three for the MVP. And I think overall, just because of the just the sheer level of excellence he's playing uh, and how much he's, he's even improved since last season, I think Jokic is the front runner. I think um, I feel like I feel like as we get closer to the end of the season, depending on seedings of like the the Nuggets could creep towards maybe that top three seed. I think Jokic will get it easily. I feel like if by the end of the season the Nets are like five, six points clear at the one seed, then I think Harden will creep itself. Because I feel like the more basketball we play, now that LeBron and Embiid are out, the, the, the better Harden plays, the more games the Nets wins. His name is just going to keep creeping yeah. up and up and up and up. And I don't think Giannis just has the narrative this season. I think that narrative is gone. I think Damian Lillard's been amazing as per usual, but people just don't really care. Like, 
no matter no matter how much people say, yeah, do you know what? Oh my god, look at Dame. He should be in the MVP. He should be in the MVP shouts. He should be in the MVP race. That's all it ever is. That's all they ever say. He should be in the MVP race, but they're never gonna say Damian Lillard is the MVP. Yeah, you know facts. I mean? yeah. yeah. So I think yeah, it's gonna be out. I think it's right now. Nikola Jokic is looking like a pretty good bet, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if James Harden creeps his, his way up there by the end of the season as well. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's an interesting one because we're now in that situation where I think the narratives are quite clear. Uh, James Harden came out the other night and said, "I am the MVP." Um, which he says that is energy, <laughs> precisely. He says that every season. So I've heard that since 2014, man. I quite like that energy. Like I know, I know people romanticize their athletes being like these real humble, humble like pillars of of excellence on yeah, every I level. I, I don't have a problem with that person. No, but it's fair because he was asked a question, isn't it? It's not exactly. like he came out and said. It's me. I'm the MVP sort of thing. Like he was asked a question, he sort of like probed, and like I'm obviously, and there's nothing wrong with bend against yourself. And he probably yeah, is what like a exactly. top five, four player in the league. So yeah, I'm not going to begrudge that. And obviously, it, it's sort of uh, it. It was a stark contrast to the way that Jokic answered the same questions, where he thanked his teammates, where he thanked <laughs> the fans, where he thanked his coaches, and it's like, all right, man, like let's 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 keep it a buck. Nobody cares. We, we see how you play. You're an excellent basketball player. Yeah. You deserve to be where you are. But until I see him bet on himself, I wouldn't give him my vote personally because of... Well, I'm Jokic. Yeah, I, I, no, I, want, I, want him to, I want him to show that little bit of arrogance. Like, show me that you believe in yourself because he doesn't that basketball. will also translate in his game. I think his game speaks for itself already. But for me, like, the question will always be open as long as there's that little bit of doubt, like how how will this translate later on in the playoffs? Like, Jokic will, trying to, will you be able to keep this up? Jokic trying to convince us the team is good thanks to the contributions of Monte Morris. Yeah, <laughs> he's, like, yeah. he's like, come on, bro. He's like, like, no, bro, it's you. <laughs> <laughs> the telephone is you. Yeah, like just just call it how it is, man. Like no nobody cares for all of that except except Yaz. Um, <laughs> like, but but yeah, I mean, there's there's. There's a couple other things to, to do with that. We've already touched on like narrative and how that plays a part. Um, how much stock do we put in a winning record, especially this season where some people would say that the standings are a little bit skewed or they don't really mean all that much because it is very tight at every, at every level. Um, the one seed in the West might be the biggest gap and then underneath that you've just got clusters of other teams um so it is very feasible that by the end of the season the nuggets could be a second seed um do we put a lot of stock in 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 the actual winning aspect and where the seeding ends when we speak about the mvp i think it's just, just us anyway i think I, I don't think it's seeding as much i think it's like all right in a normal 82 win season 82 game season i feel like the the, the, the standard was 50 wins if you could yeah. get a team to 50 wins, then that's that's enough wins to constitute an MVP level season, right? I feel like in the last what 20 years, the only MVP that didn't win 50 games was Russell Westbrook. And obviously with Russ, he had three very strong narratives. He had one, KD left him with a lottery team. No one expected him <laughs> to make the playoffs. He had two, um, first guy to average a triple double since 16 BC. And <laughs> Three, he had like 
clutch performance after clutch performance after clutch performance. Like I think Nick Wright showed every like clutch leader's like stats over the last like ten years, and Russell Westbrook was like up here, and everyone else was like here. So like yeah, those three things that kind of just like those narratives were so strong, and people was pushing them from before the season. You know what I mean? So when yeah. he actually like accomplished everything everyone was saying before the season, his narrative was just too strong. So like people, he won forty seven games of like a a rubbish team so everyone was like listen like if that's not MVP season I don't know what is but other than that if you could if you could bring your team to over 50 wins then for me that there's there's not really much if you win the MVP people can't really argue against you because 50 wins is like the bare minimum a good team should be winning right yeah so I feel like if, if, you, if you're the one seed and you win 60 games and you're the three seed and you win 56 games there's but not much difference. Yeah. There's yeah. not much difference. Like, am I right? Like, you know what I mean? Because there's there's games in the season you could drop where they're like, <laughs> so, so you drop teams drop some ridiculous games during the season. You know what I mean? So, if one team wins four more games, that doesn't necessarily mean they're like much. They've had a much more excellent season. If that if that makes sense. Yeah. It's, I don't it's know. Interesting. Like me, me personally, I don't I don't put too much stock in it. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't look at the standings and be like, oh, well, this guy was in the fifth seed, like. Dame Lillard for me deserves to be in the conversation. I, I I don't quite feel like he does enough to be the MVP because that team for me is quite is quite good. Um, the same could be could be said for James Harden, but ha- having played eight games for the Rockets, changing team and the whole team's identity becoming centered around James Harden's game, and for the defense to get better for other guys to get so involved, for his presence on the on the court to be so loud, if you will, I think he has to be in the conversation. I don't I don't I don't know why you should get pen, penalized for eight games in a season. Do you get what I mean? Okay. That could be a bad spell of your team's run or injuries. It could be anything. Do you get what I mean? Um, but we know it is, though, and like, I mean, he actively contributed towards that. And plus, that defense improvement. I mean, it's not much on the improvement when you go from like what, like twenty eighth to like fifteenth. I, I mean, like, it's good. Defi- it's commendable. It was definitely thirtieth. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, and that defense was on the floor, bro. So I mean, like, it's... no man, like I, I feel like I feel like Harden deserves credit just for making DeAndre Jordan look playable again. Like before he arrived, <laughs> like before he arrived, he was looking crazy out there. Like Harden made him like. He made him useful, like, as, like, a role man. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, so, he's, Jeff Green's playing some of his best basketball. You know what I mean? With Harden. You know what I mean? So, he's made he's made guys around him better as well. And he sacrificed his own numbers. Well, yeah. he's scoring 40 a night now when it's when it's just him out there. But When it's just him, he's, he's yeah. going back, to, back <laughs> to shooting the lights out. But that, 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 for me, is the biggest narrative for Harden. Obviously, with Jokic, you've got his individual play and that sort of everything revolving around him. Mm-hmm. In in quite a in quite a like clear and obvious way, and for for it to be a center to do that in the modern game is a massive plus point for him. Obviously, the statistics and all of that, yeah, they speak for themselves too. But that's for the other guys to talk about. For me, when I look at James Harden, he's doing very similar things that to what Jokic is is doing. But I genuinely think that the perception of where some of our role players are have been increased to such a point because of James Harden that that for me is the strongest point of his narrative is literally every time he's on the court, everyone on that team looks better. 
Like Joe Harris hasn't actually been 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 scoring the bulk of our points as as like the second or third option, depending on who's who's playing with us. Is it could be anybody. It could be a Jeff Green. It could be a Nick Claxton. It could be a Shamit. It could be a Brown. Like everybody is eating playing next to James Harden, which is something that wasn't happening previously for him in his other MVP season. Uh, and ultimately, it's been a big knock on him. People have said that he's selfish and he's disproved that he sacrificed points, not only points, but he's also putting more effort in on defense. He's almost averaging a triple-double. I, I, I think he has to be in that conversation within the top three, personally, but I might be a bit biased. I mean, it's definitely in that conversation, to be honest. Like, I think I have Harden in my top three as well um, for MVP as it stands and to answer your question about that their standings and the and the win percentage is probably like the one season where you can like forget about that uh because like this season is kind of like about survival to be honest you see so many players getting injuries like mitch robinson yesterday he injured his foot he just came back from like a broken or fractured that hand like two three days ago um you obviously got lebron out you got ad out you got kd i'm not too sure what's going on with him but yeah man um he's been out for a minute and yeah, that's been it's kind of a weird season. And like with the COVID protocols and players being out of form and like having like a short off season, it's just trying to it's just trying to be healthy for the playoffs, to be honest. So I don't really pay too much attention to the standings. I don't even know where the Warriors are, to be honest with you. They're um, they're, they're almost out of the playing. Yeah, man, forget about that, man. Like that's not really important. <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> like what I'm I'm talking about like one game. Like <laughs> they're oh, one game out. Yeah, calm. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So like it's like I'm so congested, yeah, and it's not really that important because if you put together like a five-game streak, you might be in contention for that playing series. Um, so yeah, it's just one of those seasons. Like I think like the Wizards, like we thought they were dead, like a like a dead lottery team. I haven't looked at them recently, but I know in January. So what is a lottery team? Dead lottery team. Oh, that's sad. Thirteenth, sixteen, and twenty-eight. They're just above the Magic, who. Are tanking so yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had them. I had them fifth or sixth. So more they're, they're, they're way worse than they should be. So that's not that like I I don't I don't begrudge you that prediction. Like a team with like Brad Beal and Russell Westbrook shouldn't be that bad. No, nah, they shouldn't. No way. <laughs> shouldn't. I I I don't know what's like. Really, realistically, I can't really put my finger on it. Is there's no defense. They they don't play defense. It's like, pretty much like and, and they don't even, have no and they have no shooting. <laughs> Even with even with the no defense, we're, when you're able to play at the pace that they play at, mm-hmm. you should be able to win more than sixteen games. Like um, we're, we're Wizards fan wants Scott Brooks fired, and they've been wanting him fired, but he's Wesley Westbrook's man, so I think <laughs> it, it, it's, hard, it's hard to fire him. <laughs> Precisely, Russ will be Russ will be forcing a trade trade again this time next season yeah. if if that does happen. Uh, think, do you know what? Yeah. Um, before we touch on, I feel like Russ would have a lot more value as a trade target if he didn't get paid so much. If he made like thirty million, I feel like yeah, one hundred. Lots of lots of teams would still still want him. Like you know, what I mean, I think because... he'd end up at the Nets to be perfectly honest. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel if Russ made thirty million, he'd be at the Clippers, hundred yeah. percent. Like you know, what I mean, like they just can't, they just don't have enough space for a forty-four million dollar contract. Like, so he's kind of like it's not his fault. Like he deserves his money; he's earned it. But like right now. This contract is hurting his his ring chasing chances. Like you know what I mean. I don't yeah. know how I don't know how much years he needs on your contract to be able to get bought out, but I feel like he will start looking in that direction soon. Like 
I feel like we might see yeah. some Russ ring chasing before the end of his career. <laughs> yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Like he he strikes me as the type of guy who will land on a contender in the next two, three years. Just for the for the point of people like him around the league yeah. as as like a bit of a personality and like a, He's a good teammate as well. A leader, yeah. Yeah. Precisely. And I, I think once he slows down to the point where you're not expecting Russ highlights every night, like he is the type of player that teams would look for, whether it's a spark off the bench or just somebody who pulls together some of the loose ends on the team. Um, so, yeah, I think it's more than feasible to see him getting bought out at some point and going to a contender in a, in a Blake Griffin or LaMarcus Aldrich type of manner. Um, speaking of that, I know we touched on some of it at the, at the top, but besides the Lakers... There are obviously other teams that will be looking to bolster their roster in this buyout market. Um, obviously, you've got Rondo going to the Clippers. Um, so that puts a bit of pressure on other teams to really start to solidify their squads and fix some of the loose ends. Um, there's some interesting players that could be bought out. You've got the Otto Porter Juniors who could be bought out. You've got the Georgie Dengs who Reams will be very familiar with he was waived he was waived so he's a free agent right now like i'm sorry most people don't know who that is but listen if anyone needs a backup big man for the playoffs get gorgie deng like he is legitimately very good like he could play defense good rim protector he could space the floor like literally yeah. like a guy that's giving you 12 15 minutes of the bench in the playoffs go and get him like Seriously, like I hope the next one, the next game. <laughs> yeah, if, if, if the next game. If you that, had him, that's, as, that's if, you had, if you had him instead, instead of DeAndre Jordan, that would be a bit spooky. Like you know, what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I, I think I think he he for me is the one that stands out the most um, of all the names that have sort of floated about. Obviously, for me, interior defense especially is something that a lot of these teams are missing. I think the Lamarcus Aldrich move is almost a counter Embiid if it comes to it because he can he can play a good post defense. <laughs> he's not stopping him. He's but getting that's eaten. Pretty alive. much where it ends. Exactly. He's a big. He's a big. He's a big. He's a big body to throw at him though. Like precisely. And and a lot of the time that's that's what you're looking for. Like the Claxtons are a bit skinny and DeAndre's just not what he was. He just can't move at all. So I think having options of guys that you can just throw at him is is a good way to go. And that's where someone like Gorgie Deng could could really bring value to like one of these other teams. Like the Celtics should be looking at him, exactly. especially with with Tice with Tice yeah. being uh, yeah. traded, which to me is still the most hilarious movement. It's a bit time. of a, a bit of a nothing trade, right? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a bit it's weird. Like, why why'd you do that? Like, yeah. but yeah, some someone like Deng to the Celtics or Deng to the Clippers even would be a real good pickup because. They're already sort of in that position where they, they they have bodies, but not the right bodies for particular matchups. Yeah. Um, is there anyone else that stands out for you guys in that in that sort of a group of players that could either be waived or bought out and go oh. to teams in this in this little buyout period before it ends on April seventh, I believe. JJ Reddick. Reddick, where 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 would you like to see him land? Um, I've I've seen I've seen rumbles of him wanting to go to the Nets as well. I'm not lying, and you guys yeah, still have one. More, home. You guys still have one more roster slot, no? We do for, we for do. a buyout target. <laughs> yeah, so it looks like it looks like if James Harden wants one more sniper to come off the bench, 
Looks like there's a guy there for him. Um, yeah, there's there's Reddit. Who else? Uh... You know what? If 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 we did that, I might have to. I might have to secretly go back to uh, looking out for the uh, Sacramento Kings because <laughs> no, you can't do it, man. You just got to firm it, man. Uh, you know what? Yeah, yeah. Firm it, at the top, man. I, I don't know how to deal with it. <laughs> Hey, you know what? Being a Sacramento Kings fan right now ain't the worst thing in the world because Darren Fox is going crazy yeah, on a nightly balling. basis. Yeah, he's balling out. <laughs> like one of the one of the things that we're we're looking to touch on to, today, actually, and we'll 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 pivot into that now. Actually, is the Rookie of the Year race. So obviously, you'll you'll have your eyes on this quite quite closely, Reams, with uh, Anthony Edwards being probably the the best option for it at the minute with LaMelo Ball going down with a fractured hand which has ended his season unfortunately mm-hmm. um, where, where do you stand on that? Do you think Edwards is is the favourite? Um, and Nee, how, how, how do you feel with uh, LaMelo not being the reigning uh, or anointed I should say rookie of the year now with, with the injury? To be honest, like I'm pre his injury um, so at the start of the season, like the first maybe like 10, 15 games, um, he wasn't playing that many minutes and that Tyrese Halliburton was. Yeah. And he was my rookie of the year. And that only changed when like Lamelo started getting maybe 25 plus minutes a game. And then he got that starting spot. Um, and then like, from there, it was pretty clear that he was rookie of the year. Um, so if he wasn't going to win it because of the injury, I would probably have um, Halliburton, to be honest. And it's only because like when I watch him play basketball, He's like one of the few rookies who has the ability to make the players around him better. Um, he, he runs the point pretty well, and he's a really good shooter as well. Um, I think he's like 43% from the free, 50 plus percent from the floor, um, like 83% from the line, something like that, which is crazy numbers for a rookie. So like, like he shoots really well, um, but his ability to like play defense as well and just like contribute to that, like I'm winning now, which is not an easy thing to do. And obviously that's something I see with James Wiseman um, I'm at the Warriors. It's not an easy thing to do um, for rookies to come into the league, especially centers, um, and that like, contribute to winning now. Um, outside of just getting like your own sort of stats. Um, and to be fair to Edwards, uh, when because like, the reports on him like preseason um, was that maybe he like basketball wasn't his first option. Um, he wasn't particularly interested. They weren't too sure about his motor or like how he's going to perform. But um, he's actually a lot more skilled than they mentioned, and he's actually a much better player than he was described as like, described preseason. And I actually really like him, and I like his game. Um, that guy is pretty huge for someone his age, and he's athletic as well. And he's going to be a star in the league for sure. Like he's going to be like a bona fide star. Um, but I would probably give to Halliburton because of what he's doing right now for his team. Who, who do you have, Reams? Well, it's a bit unfortunate with Lamelo because it was pretty easy before that. Like, yeah, yeah, it was. It, it wasn't really a debate before that, and I think he, he just got injured. He's he's gonna miss too many games, so he's out of it. Um, I think right now, since the All Star break, and had like a great run after the All Star break where he was scoring like thirty a night. Um, since the Phoenix Suns game where he had his career high, it's kind of changed how they've been guarding him. So they've been like trapping him high. Um, they've been doing like full court press. They've been building walls to stop him from getting to the rim. You know, he had a highlight dunk every night, like since then. <laughs> like, so teams are like, teams are really focusing on him now. And he, and he struggled in the last few games. And it's just like, for me, 
I feel like and is a rookie of the year caliber talent, but I just don't feel like he's had a rookie of the year season. Like, and I listen, I watch every single game, so I feel like what Nye said, like in terms of Halliburton and um and Lamelo, what what they did as rookies, which was pretty unique, is instead of just being a talented rookie, they were great players that helped contribute to their team winning. I see, and and at the moment isn't doing that. Um, like. Like in a Phoenix game, he did that. In like the um, Trailblazers game, he did that, right? But there's right now his game is a bit rough around the edges. Mm. You know what I mean? So like, so like, there's raw talent there. Like I said, there's raw ability there. He's massive. He's like two twenty six five six nine wingspan. Get to the rim in a blink of an eye. Dunks. You know what I mean? But there's still issues with the shot selection. Still issues with defense, and like he's a nineteen-year-old kid, so like you're not gonna ki- you're not gonna kill a nineteen-year-old for having nah. these issues, like you know what I mean. But exactly. I just, but I just feel like guys like Lamelo and Halli and Halliburton, they they help their team to possibly be a playoff team. Like the Kings right now are one game out of a play-in, and Halliburton is a big part of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Proper shooter, dog on defense, IQ. You know what I mean? Like he's just he's just playing winning basketball at the moment, and and still needs to learn how to play winning basketball. So I'd, 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 I'd give it to Halliburton as well. I think right now with LaMelo out, I'd have Halliburton first, Ant second, Emmanuel quickly third. Yeah, that's that's a good list. And I'm, I'm quite surprised. I, I did expect a little bit of the bias to creep in and, and for the Ant train to, to start rolling. I love Ant. I love Ant. But if he wins it, I wouldn't be surprised because like I feel like after LaMelo, he's like the, 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 biggest, the biggest name. And he yeah. has like, He's, he's been getting a bit of like national media coverage as well That's with right. his ducks and stuff like that. So it'll make sense if he wins it. And he's scoring like, he's scoring these war. He's averaging 17, four and three. So like yeah. those numbers that's on the surface look like rookie of the year numbers, right? So I wouldn't be surprised if he gets it. But I think Halliburton right now is, is, a, is a better player. Yeah, just to, just to finish off the, the trifecta of uh, Halliburton love, you guys have covered a lot of it. Um, for me, the, the one thing that does stand out on which you guys have touched on is the poise uh, that he plays with. He plays the game at his pace. Uh, same can be said about an Emmanuel quickly, uh, Tyrese Maxey at um, the 76s. And I feel like that that's something that leads players to having very, very productive NBA careers and long NBA careers as well. A lot of guys like Anthony Edwards, um, even... Less so with Lamelo, but I think there are still glimpses of it. It is that desire to be like a a showman that can sometimes like hinder aspects of growth, like shot yeah, selection or yeah. There's times um Lamelo's even been benched like towards the back end of games because of turnovers, yeah, and, like that. and recently with Chris Finch coming in, Ant has been our last there's like our last few games like. For example, we, we beat the Rockets a couple of nights ago. We went on a 22-0 run with seven minutes left. Ant was benched throughout that whole period just because he wasn't playing defense. And like yeah. the shot wasn't falling. So he wasn't he wasn't helping at all. Mm. And Chris Finch benched him, which Ryan Soldiers wasn't doing. So like that even stuff like that is good for his development because it's showing him what he needs to do to be a winning player in the league. And if he ain't doing that, he ain't gonna play. You know what I mean? So again, like Simon was saying, like sometimes when things ain't happening. And, and guys are just too determined to try to force the issue because they're determined to be that game winner. It could be a, it could be a hindrance sometimes. And Halliburton doesn't ever do that. Like if things ain't going 
for him, he'll he'll do something else to help to contribute to winning. Exactly, you know yeah. exactly. And and I think that 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 for me is the the one thing. A, I've always had a soft spot for the Kings, much to my behest. Uh, <laughs> but that that has got me fully invested in that team's development. And Tyrese Halliburton, for me, if he doesn't win the Rookie of the Year, most improved player will be on the horizon in the next two or three years anyway. So it it, it doesn't really matter for me as a, as a fan of his. Uh, he's going to be a top-tier production productive player in the NBA uh, so sure. whether he gets the whether he gets the recognition now or in in the future it will be there and I feel like that's that's one of the guys who I'll be keeping a close eye on um you touched you touched on the coaching change uh, reams and and seeing as we have you on here it's only right that we dedicate some time and 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 insight to the Minnesota Timberwolves uh how has that coaching change uh change the dynamic within the, the organization. Um, I know going into the actual change, there was a little bit of controversy about the fact that they didn't look to a black coach uh, to fill the role. Uh, I mean, I don't know how many black coaches would want to go to Minnesota, but that, that's an I, I, I wouldn't recommend it. But in terms of that, like what, what is the feeling around the change and what are the early signs that you've seen of, of it maybe changing the the direction that the organization is going. All right, so the issue was the, the, the guy that they wanted to get the job was David Vanterpool, right? He was one of Ryan Saunders' assistants. He's our defensive coach. Like, we're one of the worst defenses in the league. So, <laughs> well, straight away, that's not, that's not looking great on his resume. Like, I, 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 I don't mind it. Like, I, I feel like hiring from within is what, like, a lot of teams tend to do anyway. So it made sense that people would want David Vanderpool to get the job. He's still there. He's still the defensive coach at the moment. Um, Chris Finch, though. Okay, so our GM is a guy called Gerson Rosas. Um, he worked for the Houston Rockets under Daryl Morey. And before that, he was the GM of the Rio Grande Valley Vipers, which was the Houston's um, G League affiliate team. And while he was there as the GM, his head coach was Chris Finch. And they won a championship together. So when Gerson Rosas got the GM job for the Timberwolves, the first guy that everyone thought he was going to hire was Chris Finch. But obviously, Ryan Saunders got the job. Ryan Saunders is the son of Flip Saunders, who is a Timberwolves legend, ex-coach. You know what I mean? Like, best coach we've ever had. Not much competition, but that's Flip. So, like, Ryan Saunders kind of got that job on, like, a nepotism kind of thing. Like, um, um, Flip was Glenn Taylor's friend and, like, hired his son young guy, 34 years old, like, youngest coach in the league. Um, and he was just out of his depth, really. And, um, like, they was kind of hesitant to fire him just because of those, like, family ties, you know what I mean? Yeah. Obviously, um, Gerson um, co- um, convinced Glenn Taylor to fire him and he brought and he got his guy now. And um, this Chris Finch guy, he's a seasoned guy. Um, D-League, he's coached in Europe under the Nick Nurse. The team, team GB coach at one point, wasn't he? Yeah. And he's been under he's been under the, the Nick Nurse kind of like tree, so you yeah. know he's got some good pedigree there. And like he, he's he's an offensive guy. Like he was the he was the Raptors' offensive coach, and like they were doing he was doing a good job. Like you know what I mean. So he's come in now. The main thing he's done he's kind of switched up the way our offenses run, and he's kind of running everything through Carl Anthony Towns. 
which seems like a pretty smart decision for any for anyone on the outside looking in. Like yeah, you would have you would have thought uh, when he when he had uh, Anthony Davis's like bastard brother, uh, <laughs> yeah. maybe try and uh, leverage some of the trial like, methods. Why did no one think of that before? Like you know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so like um, but like the issue we've been having, even with that, Cat's been playing excellent stuff. Like it's a system gone up. Like he's averaging like on the Christmas he's probably averaging like six seven assists. I think he's always been underrated as a passer. You've got him playmaking at, playmaking at the top of the key, out the post, elbow, running two-man game with Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels, you know, getting guys open looks. The issue that we've been having, obviously, is outside of Cat, it's hard to find anyone to give us any real consistent offense. Mm. When Cat and Anthony play good at the same time, we look like a good team. Shock. Like, you know what I mean? But when, Ant, but when Ant's shot isn't falling, Ricky Rubio is scoring eight points, seven of them from free throws. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Vanderbilt ain't hitting no shots. Joshua Kogi can't shoot. You know what I mean? Juancho Hernan Gomez, you put him on the court, you're giving up 45 points in a quarter. It, it's Malik, tough. Malik Beasley uh, out because he... Uh, <laughs> yeah, Malik Beasley, Malik, Beasley, Malik Beasley just came off a 12-game suspension. D'Angelo Russell and Kat has played four times together. Since we traded for D'Angelo Russell almost two years ago, they've played four times together. So, it's, is that a problem think, for you? Do you think it's a problem? It's, of course, it's a problem because you've traded for a max contract guy to pair with your other max contract guy, and we don't even we haven't even had the chance to see how they look together. So, before you could even really make any decisions, you've got to see what you have, right? Like you know what yeah. I mean? Like they got to see how they got to see if it works or not. Like you can't just pull the cord on it without seeing if you have something there. That's why, like, we didn't make any moves at the trade deadline. Like, we could have went for Aaron Gordon, but every every team that the Timberwolves went into negotiations with, they're like, we want Jaden McDaniels. We want Jaden McDaniels. We want Jaden McDaniels. And, like, you probably never see Jaden McDaniels play, but if you had Jaden McDaniels on your team as a 20-year-old rookie, you would not want to give him up. Like, he's a proper interesting prospect. So you don't want to give up your, your most valuable young asset for... When you when you don't know if like what you have at the moment could work yeah. or not, like you know what I mean. Precisely. So the, it was a, it was a tricky situation for them at the trade deadline, and they, and Rosas basically came out and explained, listen, we could have went and traded for a good guy, but we'd have to give up a talented young player, and everyone would have been upset about that anyway. So mm-hmm. might as well be upset and just have what we have and see and see what's going on. And worst come worst come to worst, we get another top three pick in the draft, and you can get yourself a Cade Cunningham or <laughs> or a Jalen Suggs or Evan Mobley and build something for the next three for the next two three years so we we suck right now very badly but i don't feel like the situation is like there's no, like there's a light at the end of the tunnel if that makes sense yeah like, it's not like we have nothing to work with like you know what i mean so yeah i think that that velo situation has been super unfortunate i mean everyone in here has seen him play seen him play for their team yeah um and obviously his one of his main attributes and one of the things that separates him from a lot of other players is how effective he is in pick and roll situations so when you when you think just from a a pieces standpoint if you have a cat and you have a delo that's one full component that can easily get you buckets yeah you've got cat coming off the the screen and obviously now with him facilitating a bit more it opens up short roll options where you can kick out to to shooters and Delo is a serious catch and shoot. He shoots like fifty percent or like something crazy, like four. Like he For shoots sure. one of the highest percentage in the league catch and shoot, so he can play off the ball easily as well. Like exactly his his time at his time at uh, 
Brooklyn was a testament to that. A lot of the time we would throw him and Dinwiddie on the court together with Dinwiddie being the primary ball handler. And again, he had to build up that confidence in being an off-ball player, um, which he ended up doing to great effect and got his starting spot back. Um, for you guys at Golden State, uh, what was your take on on D'Lo? Because obviously you're left... Kerr with, uh, didn't really want him, to be honest, man. Like, he's not really a Kerr player. Um, like, yeah, like, um, he's really good in the pick and roll, but that pick and roll isn't something that the Warriors really do. And, like, you see it with Steph and that on me screen for it sometimes, like, if he just does a pick and roll with Wiseman, something like that. But that's just not his game. He has a lot of like, off-ball movement and like, defensively, he just wasn't doing it for the Warriors and Kerr. Um, and I can tell by, like, the way Kerr was speaking about him, even when we first got him, it, it was like a, Steph, yeah, he was just like I'm kind of like reluctant to have him. He just didn't think that back would work, and like he just never really fancied it. And sometimes, to be honest, um, if Steph wasn't like an MVP and a like bona fide star, like the way that Kerr talks about Steph sometimes, even um, and like just like not always want to play to his strengths, you would think that maybe he didn't fancy him either. But obviously, that's not the case. But I mean, like with Dilo, he just wasn't he just wasn't really good mesh to be honest. And it was a bad season, man. Um, I mean, like the clay injury. And then that like, Steph being out, and then at like, the rookies, um, it was all a bit of a mess to be honest. Um, and like he didn't really come into like, the best situation, so it didn't really work out how it did. So I'm not going to hold that against Dilo to be honest, because um, that would be unfair. Yeah, some massive um, games at the Warriors though. He yeah. yeah, he did. Games. Yeah, for sure. There were some games where he went for like 40, and like I'm near 50 or so, where he was at the, like, the focal point, and like he was playing like Dilo of the Brooklyn Nets. Um, but yeah, man, it, it was just a bad fit to be honest. It will be it will be very interesting to see how how the Timberwolves uh, manage this situation because obviously with with you guys potentially getting one of the top three picks you're going to have to make some concessions. Do you go for just the best player in the league or do you look for something? Well, hopefully they don't. Obviously, say, or or do you go for the the best fit? And obviously, I think everyone in here can agree you just go out and get the best player. But when you do have an Anthony Edwards or a Cat or I have a take on that, right? So, if you get the number one pick, you get the best player. Makes sense, because the best player is Cade Cunningham. For me, the best two players in the draft are Cade Cunningham and Jalen Green. Getting Jalen Green doesn't make any sense to me, because we already have Anthony Edwards. Like, I'd love Jalen Green. If it was last season and I had the choice between Jalen Green and Anthony Edwards, I'd take Jalen Green. But now that we have Ant, and Ant is looking like he could be like an all-star level player, you don't need a Jalen Green. You need someone that could work with Ant. Yeah, you know what I mean, and cat. So you go out, you get Cade Cunningham or Jalen Suggs, who's a guy who guys are point guards, play make, make shots, get guys involved. Jalen Suggs, amazing defender, like he would be perfect. Like you know what I mean. So I feel like if you're if if you get the number one, if the number one pick in the draft is the best player and he makes sense, like Cade Cunningham does, you get him. Other than that, you get the best fit because all the top six guys in the draft this year are all could all be stars. Like you know what I mean. So just get the bit, get the guy that fits. It's a good shout. It's a good shout. What 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 effect does that have on the dynamic between, say, D'Lo, uh, Edwards, and then obviously your other wing players? I feel like if we got Cade Cunningham, D'Lo's getting traded. <laughs> Even with the serious. cat connection, or even with the cat connection. Like, listen, at the end of the day, they're boys, but it's business. At the end of the day, you know what I mean. Fair and play. they're trying to build a team that's going to win. And if they feel like Cade Cunningham's a better winning piece than D'Lo, then D'Lo is out of it. The, the issue that we have at the moment is D'Lo's trade stock is probably low. 
Yeah. That is the lowest point, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, if we was going to trade him, we would have to trade him to Orlando. I feel like they would have taken him because they was, they was moving guys on anyway. And if they could get another, like, all-star point guard in return for, like, an Aaron Gordon and a, I don't know, Ken Birch or whoever else they wanted to throw in there with him, they would have taken that. But obviously, D'Lo was injured. And um, as I said, we never we haven't got to see D'Lo and Cat yet, so... They weren't prepared to trade him without seeing what he looks like. But I feel like if we was to get a Cade Cunningham and we was looking to shit D-Lo out, it would be difficult. Unless he comes back from the injury now and has a strong end to the season and kind of like builds his reputation back up, then it might be easier to move him. But other than that, I probably, I probably, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like D-Lo is the guy that's the most expendable out of the three at the moment. Yeah. Is what is basically what I'm, I'm, I'm alluding to. So, yeah. Yeah, it will be interesting to see, man. Like I, I'm, I'm rooting for him selfishly, but the yeah, last same. couple of seasons haven't haven't really been kind to him. Um, but it just it just shows you, like guys at this level, they just need to play consistently. Yeah, it obviously affects how they play on court, how many reps you're getting. I feel bad for him. Drastically, it also drastically messes with people's perception of who yeah, you are. I feel, yeah, I feel yeah. bad for him, man. I, I just want him to find a place that that that's his. We could hold it down and say this is my franchise and just just build himself up with a consistent team, consistent coaching staff, and just show that he's a talented player. Precisely, precisely. Um, I think that might be all all for today. Uh, we've covered quite a fair bit. Obviously, the buyouts, uh, the MVP, the Rookie of the Year, and then the much-awaited Timberwolves breakdown. I'm just hoping next time we do speak about your boys, they've got more than 11 wins. Uh, <laughs> So we're gonna we'll we'll try and make sure that people have stuck with us, uh, even though we're talking about one of the lowly franchises at the minute. But they are they are interested in their, the, their the rubbish franchises need love as well. You know what I mean? They do indeed. People They're actually about- my uh, my team uh, franchise or my my career fan- franchise mm-hmm. on uh, NBA Two K. So hilarious. got a little soft spot for them. People, people Had to about the t- fifty <laughs> points per game in order to keep them afloat, but it is. What <laughs> yeah. People talk about the Wolves that they're a Euroleague team, so it's, it's good to know that they actually have someone who actually watches them. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, yeah, uh, it's been a pleasure, guys. Obviously, for, for the listeners out there, make sure you're following us on uh, Courtside Fracker, on Twitter and Instagram. And we also have our Patreon account as well. So if you are inclined to support us financially, then please do so. Uh, there will be some special content coming out over over the coming months as well. So keep it locked. And yeah. Thanks for thanks for listening. Thank Take you. care, guys. Peace. Bless. Sports Social Podcast Network.